What's up, everybody? I'm Karen Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, culture journalist and critic, parked at the intersection of geekdom and diversity. I'm Chuck Collins, comic book artist, former bouncer, and horror connoisseur. And this is Pop Paranormal, a podcast from Travel Channel, where we take you from the scary screen to behind the scenes of the most talked about horror movies and shows. And today we are talking about the biggest series that has been out in a very long time. Horror movies, Upside Down, Demi Gorgons, you know what I'm talking about, Stranger Things. So this show is an ode to all things that we love in 80s and 90s horror and really centers around the Duffer Brothers' love of D&D and uh, all things creepy, basically. Now, you played D&D growing up, right? I used to mess with it when I was younger, but I didn't really play until high school. Oh, probably because Haitian, right? (laughs) Absolutely, that's the reason why. Look, I grew up in a Haitian household, a Catholic Haitian household, and I used to have to hide my Megadeth and Metallica albums in my underwear drawer because, you know, like, nah, they they didn't want to see any of that. That says a lot about your underwear as well. (laughs) Metal AF. This episode is going to be epic because we're diving into the lore and the homage the Duffer Brothers gave to everything creepy that we talk about, love talk about on the show. We're also going to learn about the secret government time travel experiment that actually inspired the whole series. Oh, I've got a story about this. He really does. I'm excited because it takes place right here in New York. Oh, yeah. We also have our season five predictions, plus the lawsuit that could have actually destroyed the series. Yeah, see, I barely heard about that, so you can tell me about it. goody. Yes, I know something that you don't know. Yay! So today, we're talking about Stranger Things. And as usual, we are spoiling everything. So you've been warned. I'm pretty sure everyone has already watched this show. But in case you haven't, here's what you gotta know. Okay, I wanna see if you can do this summary under one minute. I'm Are timing you, you right now. Yeah, I'm timing you right now. Challenge accepted. Stranger Things takes place in fictional Hawkins, Indiana, when a young boy, Will, disappears and his family, the town sheriff, and his best friends, Mike, Dustin, and Lucas, go looking for him. When another girl, Barb, also goes missing, the whole town gets involved. Then a little girl with amnesia and superpowers and only the number 11 tattooed on her wrist shows up. Then we learn about a lab doing government-funded experiments on children, and her powers open up the gate between the real world and another dimension, the Upside Down, which is where they find Will. It's four seasons of questionable parenting, monster hunting, D&D references, paying homage to every 80s and 90s horror movie and rock song ever made. How'd I do? You literally did that in under a minute. Ha! Okay. Give me my cookies. very impressed. I want cookies. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All the chocolate chip is yours. You make dinner for a week. (laughs) That's all I do, though. All I do is cook dinner. They didn't need to know that, though. (laughs) You see, this is why I can't take you anywhere. So now we're ready to jump into the wild story of how the directors, the Duffer Brothers, came up with the show's premise. Okay, so, Chuck, you know how the original script was called Montauk, right? Yep. Okay, so apparently the script was based on a novel written back in 92 about experiments done at a secret government facility, right? So apparently one of the guys who wrote the novel, and this is fiction, 
claims he was a scientist that worked there, like in real life, and that everything that happened to the characters, like in the show, was exactly what happened in real life. So I don't know for what purpose. I'm going to assume to turn people into weapons, but this guy swears all this stuff actually happened. And this book apparently chronicles sort of, I don't know, Xavier School for the Kidnapped or something. Yeah, like the CIA was being an evil version of Charles Xavier. Like, I'm going to go ahead and and recruit (laughs) y'all to fight for the government, but with evil powers. But that's why Stranger Things has a special place in my heart. Because, and I think I told you this in 92, I used to work for a magazine distributor. And we used to do all kinds of different magazines and books and stuff. Authors would usually send promotional copies to various distributors. But one of the things that came was from Peter Moon, who actually co-wrote the novel Montauk's Project in Time with Preston Nichols. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's when you first saw it. Okay. Right. And it was so crazy. My boss was like, I don't know what this is. And I was like, well, I'll take a look at it. And I read it. (laughs) It was a wrap. Because the story was so crazy and so far-fetched, none of these documents have been like, they weren't declassified back in those days in 92. They're declassified now. You can go right now online and get the whole PDF of all that stuff that happened. The thing that was crazy was the dude I was working for was like, yeah, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to distribute this. And I was like, I'll, I'll take these home. The covers are interesting. And I was like, I took them home and oh my God, I went into a journey. How many books were there? I think there was five in total. Oh, my God. So the fact that the story takes forever to tell, it started with the books. It's not just the series. No, no, no. And that was the whole thing. I went through this whole journey. This is back in 92. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so significant to me because I, I, it was literally my second job out of college. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read all these books. I need to see what's going on. And usually you have these conspiracy theories in the hood where you have like, yo, the Illuminati coming after us and all this. I'm like, yo, it's... And that's what they sound like, too. That's what they sound like, right on the corner of Utica, right here. But anyway, I went ahead and said, all right, let me go into, I've never heard of these kind of conspiracy theories before, never heard of any of these things. So I'm, I'm going to delve into this. And fast forward up until like, well, I think Stranger Things came out in like what, 2018? 2016. 2016. Mm-hmm. Fast mm-hmm. forward. I see the first episode. I'm like, this story seems a little familiar. Holy crap. This is just like the Montauk experiments. This is exactly what they were doing. You must have freaked out when you saw the first episode. I lost everything. I lost my mind. They put in metal. They put in D&D and the Montauk experiments. And I was like, I'm here for it. So this is the reason why this show for me means a lot. Because I, I, I lived it. I, I, I saw it in real time as it progressed from Preston's entire, you know, story for the books and his take on allegedly what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was able to say, okay, now I'm seeing an actual show based on that. So it means a lot. It means a lot. So Chuck, you weren't the only one who was shocked to see the Montauk story appear on Netflix and getting all this attention. Okay. I have some tea. I have some gossip for you. Ooh, let's drink. So basically, there was a huge lawsuit that was brought against the Duffer brothers at one point by a director Mm. named Charlie Kessler. Now, he swears the Duffer brothers stole the idea from him, from a script Mm. he wrote that was also called Montauk, when he told them about it at a party in 2014. Apparently, it was supposed to go to trial in 2019. I don't know why it was dropped. 
Yeah, it it that that's the thing. It it could be just it was such a widespread conspiracy theory. Anyone could have read it offline. You know, like if you went online, you went to some forums, you went to and some hardcore listeners that I know that are out there that know about this kind of stuff. They probably went to abovetopsecret.com, went to that forum and was like, "Ooh, that sounds like a good story. Let me see if I could write something with it." And then stranger things came out and they were like, I hate those stuff for brothers. <laughs> like, look, I, I mean, or, yeah. or is it just somebody who they like used to go to school with? You know, you have that one friend that you went to school with, but you don't really want to work with them and see them anymore. They, it could like, be that too. We all, we all have one. Like, yeah, let's do a project together. Yeah, man. Yo, I was thinking about this thing. Yo, you with your art and me, <laughs> I could write this. And I'm Uh-oh. like, nah, son, we can't. You, Chuck no. is channeling. Chuck is yeah, channeling, channeling his own sorry. email. I, I, this has happened way too many times. <laughs> but I will say this, though. Y'all out there, you got an idea for a movie. Do not get drunk at parties and talk about them with people. That's all I'm going to say on this. Keep it to yourself. Copyright it and do your thing. Yeah, stop putting Twitter threads of your ideas out there, people. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to influences, Stranger Things actually pulls from a lot of pop culture influences. We've already talked about Montauk, but I want to get into these pop culture influences. Mm -hmm. So, Let's see how many of these we can kick out. Now, I know for a fact the first season was a uh, a nod to Alien. The oh, first yeah. one, actually, Alien and Aliens. So I'm going to do the same thing you did to me. I'm going to challenge you in one minute mm-hmm. to tell me how many influences you can name that Stranger Things had. All right. Starting now. Ghostbusters, Evil Dead, Hellraiser, War of the Worlds, Close Encounters of Third Kind, Carrie, um, geez, Goonies, Neverending Story, um, Tales from the Dark Side, um, every single TV sitcom, Silver Spoons. <laughs> I um, forgot about those. Dirt bikes, skateboards. That was 37 seconds, so you didn't okay. do too bad. I tried. <laughs> uh, I'm going to add a few more. They went trick-or-treating on Halloween, mm-hmm. and Max came out dressed as Mike Myers from Halloween. Right. And the city of Hawkins. Yes. I I don't know if this is true or not, but Hawkins, there was also the cop from Halloween named Hawkins. Oh, that yeah. was trying to save his, his buddy, but ended up. Mike Myers got him anyway. Officer Hawkins, yeah. Right. And then Robert England from Nightmare on Elm Street was in it, but he also was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And then there's also Carrie, because that's kind of like 11. I I did say Carrie, though. I do remember Carrie. You did say Carrie. I didn't say the significance, but you You did. Yes. But you you were close. I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of you. I am proud of you, too. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think we got all the big ones? I think so. I think we got the big ones. So for any that we missed, for those of you that are out there screaming at your phone saying that we don't know what we're talking about, hit us up at hashtag popparanormal and let us know your picks. Coming up, we're talking nostalgia. Nostalgia galore. That sounds like a James Bond girl right there. And this week's round of our favorite game, This Week in Bad Decisions, where Chuck and I complain about characters and their awful choices. You'll never guess who we picked this week. Plus, speculation about the Upside Down. All that and more coming up. Okay, I want to back up here because we've talked about so many things that inspired Stranger Things and made it fun to watch. There's time travel, there's conspiracy theories, 
There's drunk people at parties. <laughs> but I think the one thing that everybody gravitated to in this show was the nostalgia. Because, right. and it was on all levels of the show, from mm -hmm. the music to the movie references we just made. Yeah. And I think everybody came away with moments in the series that they could relate to or characters that they latched onto. One of the characters that I connected with early on was Erica Sinclair, Lucas's brother. And I think it's because I am, I have brothers and I <laughs> rag on them the same way. But I think this season when she came in playing D&D, calling herself Lady Applejack, yep. you know, and it's just really owning her geekdom I think that meant a lot to me. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people who are fans of this show. They are thinking back to a time when they were kids right. and they were watching horror movies, watching Saturday morning cartoons. And I think the show's been criticized a little bit by like building its lore on what came before and not trying to build something new. But I don't know. What do you think? Is it, are they right? Is it just, just a remix? What do you think? Well, first off, I just got to say this for the listeners. Um, when you see Erica in the show, yes, that is literally Karima when she was a little girl. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. He didn't know me then. He's just I didn't know pictures. her then, but when I saw her in that episode doing all the things, I was like, yeah, that's totally, that, I looked at her and I said, that's totally you. That's you. <laughs> My name is Lady Applejack, and I'm a chaotic, good, half-elf rogue level 14. And I will sneak behind any monster you throw my way and stab them in the back with my poison-soaked kukri. And I'll smile as I watch them die, a slow, agonizing death. So, we gonna do this? Or we gonna keep chit-chatting like this is your mommy's book club? I just love that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in, like, the whole series. Because I just love Erica as a character. And she's a geek. Her brother's a geek. I grew up with brothers who were also geeks. But we nerd out differently. And just that whole concept of, like, oh, you can't like this because you're just, you know, a girl. And you don't like horror. Or you don't like comics. Or you don't like D&D. &D, all of that. I just could totally relate to being there. And also her whole line constantly, like, just the facts. Just the facts. I, I'm just a huge fan of Erica, and she just reminds me so much of myself growing up. But the thing that I did love about the show was nostalgia. It brought us back to a time that was, for me, as a kid in the 80s, was it not, I wouldn't say a simpler time, a simpler time but it was, it was a time that a lot of things influenced me. Um, and I think people get way too caught up into the whole thing of, oh, nostalgia was this thing. It only uses a tool to tell a story during a movie or a TV show and everything else. The, the, look, when it comes down to Stranger Things, what I love about Stranger Things is that it introduced you to all these characters and the time that they were around. They, were, they lived in the 80s. They weren't trying to be 80s. Right. Everything that you saw, the music, the clothing, the cultural references when it came down to video games and, and movies and everything else were all there at the time when the story took place. The only thing that wasn't like the 80s were these kids' parents because yeah, I don't know, know what they... <laughs> like, they were look, like... <laughs> they were never around when you wanted them. And it's like I said before, and we, you and I had a conversation about this, Growing up in, in East Flatbush, Brooklyn, as soon as that light, the, the street light come on, you better be in your house. And growing up Haitian, you're like, yo, who's this kid in my house? Why is he here? Why is he spending the night? 
Why is the other one missing? Where is uh-uh, your mother? Go home. Who's your mother, right? Who's your mother? Who's your parents? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, I couldn't understand. But here's the thing, though. But you still, but you still went on adventures. You still had your friends. Absolutely. You still, you, still, you know, so it, it, it was bringing them, and I guess it was bringing the writers, you know, back to that time. Yeah. And this, the nostalgia makes sense because also, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The show came out in 2016. Yeah. A lot happened in 2016. Absolutely. And a lot has happened since then. <laughs> For real. Like, there's so many days that I've lost that I can't get back. <laughs> but I'm, but you know, everybody was binge watching this show in particular and mm-hmm. multiple times just to relax. Yeah. You know, it was it was a fun escape. And I think that was the thing that, and that was the tone that the Duffer brothers were trying to get across. And that's the thing. I think that's the major factor of the show. It's trying to portray a time that these characters lived in that we grow to love. Mm-hmm. And we tend to appreciate the things that was going on around them at the time that it took place. That's all it was. And now, also, if you're going through it, and you're like, well, at least I'm not in the upside down. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, de- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my whole thing. And it, look, every single aspect of history, especially in human history, we've seen it repeat so many times. Cultural significance or cultural events will happen. And they tend to repeat themselves. So if you discovered Metallica for the first time, it doesn't have to be Stranger Things. It could have been something else. You were walking down the street and somebody was playing something. You started bopping your head to it. You were like, what the hell is that? You're like, Metallica, never heard from them before. But that song that they were playing, Master of Puppets, sound dope. Let me go and look for their stuff. Bill Murray will sit there and be in a movie and be like, yo, that old guy looks hilarious. That was funny. Let me go see the other movies he did. Finds out what Ghostbusters is. I think that people can be inspired by the music and the the movies that they're seeing referenced here. And it's bringing two generations of people together. Critics are going to say whatever they say, but you still can't deny the popularity of this show. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the that nostalgia linked with the soundtrack, the actors... And obviously the effects, and we haven't even gotten into the monsters, oh, Lord. are exactly what people needed as an escape over the I past so few too. years. I think yeah. you you cannot look at Stranger Things and its success and not look at the time period mm-hmm. that it premiered in. Right. So moving on to our favorite segment, This Week in Bad Decisions, where we each pick a character who makes... Basically, I think dumb decisions. <laughs> Things that make you go, why? Why are you like this? <laughs> why? Why'd you do this? Chuck, who are you screaming at this week? Who is your pick? I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, for y'all who haven't seen it yet, sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler, but it's Jason Carver for me, the bully from season four. Well, Chris, you want us to just stand by? Where the cops go around pursuing some some bullshit leads, spreading rumors saying she's some some druggie. No, no, she wants us to go out there. She wants to do something about it, wouldn't she? Yeah. Then let's go on some free. Yeah. For Chrissy. Yeah. Let's go. Jason Carver in that scene was absolutely was bananas. The leaps he was making, right? That an actual monster took out his girlfriend. Of course, he doesn't mm-hmm. know that. Instead of thinking, oh, somebody just killed her, no, Dungeons and Dragons right. did it. And, and Eddie is possessed. And just the leaps he was making, he yeah, was he out was, of his he mind. Was, he was insane. And, you know, and shout out to the crew for putting Psycho Killer 
as the soundtrack for this entire scene because it fits yeah, so well. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I it mean, was he perfect. Was out here, in, in that whole speech, he was like a little teenage version of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. I was like, and oh we, God, like yeah. at that point, we all know that if there was an alternative universe to Stranger Things and he didn't die at the end, he would have grown up to have been Patrick Bateman, moved to New York and just went crazy. <laughs> but what's his bad decision? His existing. Like that's, that was his thing. He was, he just existed to be a thorn on everybody's side. That's <laughs> to me, that was like, you served no purpose here, buddy. Like, that's the only thing that you came here to do was to mess with us where we had real demons to fight. You wanted to hunt us down. You messed up everything. Like, even after he finally realized what was going on, he decided to keep going after them. I was like, bro, your whole friend just got folded up out of nothing. And you just sat there, looked at it, and was like, I'm going to go kill the kids instead. Really? (laughs) Like, come on. You just saw your friend get folded like a lawn chair and (laughs) we're still going to go after that rest of high school. Exactly. So my pick this week for a character that made a very bad decision, it was Matthew Modine's character father, a.k.a. Dr. Brenner. Now, Mm -hmm. on top of the obvious, kidnapping other people's children and experimenting on them in horrible ways and also making them call him father. Creepy. We learned in season four that he took Henry Creel, number one, who becomes Vecna, and started experimenting on him first. So the child who folded his mother up like a drying rack. (laughs) (laughs) For real. He thought, you know what? Let's spend time together. Let me get to know you. Yeah, let me get to know you. This is a great idea. Let's do this. And then when it didn't work, he found a way to neutralize him. And we never saw that. We never saw how he was able to knock him out and implant that thing so his powers were neutralized. But, like, that you thought would hold him? And I get it. We look at Vecna and Eleven as two sides of the same coin. But I'm sorry, If Eleven had pushed anybody else into the Upside Down, they would not have done the damage that he did. Now, granted, Creel, I'm not saying Creel didn't have problems, but the fact that you thought that you were just going to experiment on this kid who's basically an Omega-level mutant, you thought that would go well? No, very bad idea. (laughs) On top of being a horrible person. So somebody else who I didn't have a problem meeting their end. He died cold, too, because he tried to get... You know, he was like, you know, oh, I've always thought of you as family to Eleven. Eleven was like, I'm just going to watch you die. I'm proud of you. So very proud. You are my family. My child. But it, but honestly, <laughs> it was horrible because he was like, please call me father. Please, please, like, she was as like, he's nope. dying. Like, it's very, very creepy. So it's really funny, too, because Matthew Modine, the actor, says he would love to return to the show. And the only way he can do that is in a flashback. That's true. And I, I, I'm all credit to him because he played that character so well. He did. hate him. It's like one of those, like, you, you can't stand the actor because he plays such a good villain, <laughs> you know? But, like, yeah. <laughs> He's going to have to do a feel-good movie in order to get back in my good graces. Oh, he will. (laughs) Um, And like always, we want to hear your pick for this week in Bad Decisions. So do you agree with me or do you agree with Chuck? Or do you have a totally different character in mind? Please use hashtag PopParanormal and let us know. So listen, Stranger Things 
ends with season five. Fan theories and predictions are kind of spiraling out of control, but mm-hmm. we have some of our own. So, Chuck, how do you think season five of Stranger Things is going to conclude? Well, now that we have actually have a crack in middle America, which is the upside <laughs> down, I think what's going to end up happening is it's going to be a fight for Max's soul. She's an empty shell. Vecna's still out there in the ether. He's going to control Will and use Will to get to Max. Meanwhile, the others are possibly 11 while trying to close the crack. Um, will be fighting for Max's soul to get her back. That, that's that's where I think it's going. And and you rhymed. You you didn't even realize. I did, didn't you, I? You wow. did. I don't even know how you did that. Make a career out of this. <laughs> um, my concept is it's similar. Basically, at the end of this, Vecna has to die. Right. But the only person I think that can kill him is Eleven, and Eleven is either going to die in the process or. She's going to have to close the door from the inside, meaning she's going to have to go into the upside down, close the portal Mm. and stay there to keep the balance. Because like you said, the upside down's always been there. It's just he messed up the number one. Yeah. Messed up the balance. So I think she's going to go and she's going to have to stay. Yeah. So those are our theories on how the final season of Stranger Things will conclude. But there are also some really interesting fan theories out there. Um, There's like, Three wild fan theories we saw taking over our Twitter feeds. One of them is that the entire Upside Down is actually a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Yeah, I heard that one. And this is because the kids are like playing D&D, the night Will goes missing in the first season. And then the monsters are all from D&D. Right. So real quick, what's your favorite monster, by the way? Oh, I have to say the Mind Flayer. Um, only because it then season one it was just menacing at the end. It was this big, humongous kaiju-sized shadow monster, and then when you actually got to season two, you got to see this body horror thing that was made up of some of the town's body parts. Mm-hmm. It was d- d- disturbing. I agree. I think for me, it's still the de- well, the demigorgon, mm-hmm. and I'm saying it's my favorite, not the scariest anymore. Because I feel like after I've seen Vecna and, like you said, the mind flare, oh, yeah. the demigorgon just looks like an angry plant puppy to me. <laughs> yeah, that can <laughs> eat you and got teeth in his throat. <laughs> like... So the other theory is that the upside down is the future. Now this is a stretch. Mm. Somebody came up with this and said that either Will or Eleven went to the future, came back with the future, and (laughs) accidentally unleashed, like, whatever time that they came from into Hawkins. That doesn't make any sense because time travel doesn't work that way. No, nah, yeah, we're good. Nah, I, I, that's one I'm not, I don't like too much. I'm not a fan of that one. Sounds like somebody was trying to make a story happen, but failed. (laughs) So also, there's another one that says the U.S. government, this is like how they think the series is going to end, that the U.S. government is going to drop a bomb, a nuclear bomb, on Hawkins to stop the Upside Down from from spreading. I I don't know. I I don't think they're going to do that because then Hawkins would be called Raccoon City. I don't (laughs) know. That doesn't work. Yeah, it's like, you know, all of a sudden the government becomes umbrella and decides, yeah, this town never existed. We're done. We're going to take it out. Now, honestly, if they were going to do it, they would have done it before when, you know, the huge crack in the middle of the town happened. You know, but um, 
Yeah, it wouldn't be a good look to literally drop a nuclear bomb in the middle of America and you just think it's going to be all good. I don't know. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, we'll see will, what happens. Will I be right? Will Chuck be terribly wrong? <laughs> well, I got to be wrong. <laughs> or will the Duffer brothers throw us off and do something completely different? That's all the time we got. But before we go, in true paranormal fashion, we'll leave you with a riddle and challenge you to tell us what you think next week's episode is all about. Now, what do the movies Flashdance, Fatal Attraction, and Indecent Proposal have in common? Think you know the answer? Use hashtag PopParanormal on all social platforms to tell us what you think. Make sure to follow Travel Channel at Travel Channel on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. See you on the other side. Pop Paranormal is produced by Neon Hum for Travel Channel. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review. 